again for all of you guys joining uh, i know i haven't done the podcast in a while so forgive me if i'm a bit too unfamiliar with the zoom territory of how to click around stuff whilst i'm managing everything uh, but thank you again for joining i know it's quite difficult to get people on a saturday um, today's pod- podcast we're just going to be talking about something that i think as young people is probably important but maybe more importantly so in a pandemic um, how this subject maybe affects us can vary on our different opinions. And I think that's the value of having different people from different backgrounds to talk about the issue of one, money management, and two, parenting. And maybe the last subject when it comes to the politics of love, which maybe I can tap into a bit later. Um, but just basically the platform is basically, I'm gonna be asking you each of questions uh, related to the same thing, uh, getting your views. Uh, each of you can chip in. Uh, so at least there's a balance uh, of answers and opinions. And then we'll just be quickly going through. For the sake of time, obviously, I just want to make sure we go through everything quickly. Uh, but just note that um, in the period away, I'm asking questions. Um, you can either switch off your mic if not directed to you. Uh, but then obviously, when I do direct a question to you, you can switch on your mic. Or if you want to interrupt or add an opinion, you can freely switch on your mic. Uh, but just at least be respectful. And at least let's try to keep our answers as short as possible to avoid time going on for the whole day. So cool. Um, I think where we can start off with, and I think the aspect of money is one we can start off with. Um, I can maybe start with myself personally. I have had a, a balanced experience with money, good and bad, um, from starting to work, before working, and right now. And I can tell you there's a lot of positives, there's a lot of negatives that I've, I've experienced myself. And I think right now, one of the biggest issues right now is just in terms of my future and money in that aspect. But before we go into the intrinsic aspects of money, I just wanna maybe answer this particular question. Um, there was a thought that I was having a discussion with a friend just yesterday. And what is the concept of being broke? And what does the mean broke mean? Um, so maybe I can start off just to at least open the room with an icebreaker of a question. So uh, Daniel, I know I started with you. So uh, what is your concept or view of the term broke? And what does being broke mean to you? Oh, broke. Um, I think obviously broke is not having enough money to do what you want to do. Um, because obviously my, my definition of broke is probably going to be different from somebody else's definition of broke. I mean, if I probably have uh, 500 rand in my bank account balance and I want to go buy something that's probably more than 500 rand, I'm going to say, no, I'm broke. But if somebody else has 500 rand and they say that they want to go buy something, they probably say, yeah, I have money. I, I'll be able to buy whatever I need. So I think it, it varies from person to person, uh, the definition of being broke, but it's just basically because of what I want to do. Do I have the money to do it? Do I have the correct finances to, to do whatever I want to do? But yeah, if I don't have enough money, then it means that I'm broke. Yeah, nah, cool. I think, I think the aspect of the question is more related to the dynamics of how society perceives the idea of being broke. Um, June, from your side, what is your view in terms of the concept of being broke? What does that mean to you when someone says, I'm broke or for yourself personally? 
Um, so for myself, I don't know if I'm being hard on myself, but um, my view of being broke is to the position that I currently am I'm in now, whereby the income that I get, cool, I'm grateful, but it covers just basically all my fixed expenses and just a little bit of room for, you know, disposable income, you know, where I can do things that I love, things that, you know, are deemed not necessary. Um, so I, I deem, I regard myself as someone who's broke because I just don't have, you know, money for in, in like emergencies, apart from the medical aid savings, apart from insurance policies, um, if anything major happened, I would not know where to turn to. Um, and yeah, just not having enough money to do the things that I love to do, the things that make me happy. Um, so that's, that's how I feel or how I deem being broke is, you know, just not having enough disposable income, not having enough reserves, um, basically just living hand to mouth um, and, you know, constantly just trying to find ways on how to, you know, to sort of shift this, 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 um, this issue for myself and, you know, finally be in a position where I'm financially stable, flexible. Um, Once I get there, then I won't see myself as broke. But right now I do regard myself as broke because I'm just making it, you know? Yeah. Uh, I I can probably relate in that aspect. Uh, one thing I hate doing is looking at any notification that comes from the bank, which has anything to do with a withdrawal or anything else. Swipe my card. I don't want to see a notification from the bank. Um, but I think I can relate to that aspect. Now, I think maybe that's a good way to subway to this question. Um, part of the reasoning of the topic was to understand our relationship with money, but more so in terms of man- managing money and I've always wanted to see how different people view the concept of how we manage money, but also our experience with money. And maybe let me start from a reversal point of view, um, going back. Um, all of us, are, as you can see, are all black. We're all young people. Um, and we all grew up in a particular household. Obviously, it varies from case to case. Um, and our upbringings um, influence the way we, or the people that we are today. So my question now more relates to the aspect of what effect has money had in terms of your upbringing in terms of who you are today? I know it's a kind of a heavy loaded question, but I'm trying to understand from your particular case, how has money affected your upbringing as a person? Um, there's you know, things where people speak about poverty, people speak about middle-class you know, wealth. Um, also the element of our, our own parents manage money, which is a very important question that can relate to also parenting as well. Um, but maybe let me start with, uh, Lily, uh, what, what, how, what kind of effect has money had in terms of your upbringing? I know you're based in Ireland, so I don't know if, if there's a particularly unique case in your, in your example. Just switch on your well, mic. Yeah, go ahead. Well, in the case of Ireland, I think growing up, it made me have more of a, not paranoia, but more of a security about having money. I need savings. I don't want to be broke kind of thing, especially since I'm like in college and with the pandemic. Um, some of my funding's kind of dwindled a little bit. And when I mean broke, I mean can't afford like small things. That'd be like my limit, like small little things. Um, because though I live in a country that has a slightly stronger cur- I'm not sure what rand to euro is like exactly, but um even though the currency is kind of strong and the standard of living would be considered quite high by most metrics. Um, the cost of living here is also quite high. So in a weird way, even though like by all metrics I'm living good, the cost of living in some ways makes it harder, if that makes sense. 
No, it does, it does. Um, I was just trying to understand in terms of your upbringing, but let me also, let me, I can come, come back to that. Um, Portia, what is, what is your view in terms of money and in terms of how it's affected your upbringing? Um, I don't know if there's something uniquely to say about how money individually, but I think it, it does affect every other element in terms of your relationships, whether it's your parents, your siblings, your schooling, ETC, but what has been your, your, your understanding of how money affects your upbringing in your case? I was saying that I think it just made me respect money more because growing up in a household where it was, if certain things, you know, were a luxury and seeing how your parents kind of struggle to put you and your siblings through school or to get you the things that you deem as necessary. I think as an adult now, I now understand some of the sacrifices they made so that we could have certain things. And therefore, you know, when someone would say to you, as a child, you continuously just think, hey, you know, these people just like giving me a tough time. But now that you are an adult and you know the value of money, I think that's when it just makes you realize how much they put into, you know, giving you guys what you needed or what you wanted, but at the time you didn't realize it. So I definitely think for me, it just makes me respect money more. It makes me also a bit more understanding of certain situations when I go through them to say that okay so this is what was happening back then when it happens to you like the necessity of having a budget or not always being able to you know buy what you want when you want it but understand that you just perhaps have to wait to get it yeah no thanks Portia uh, Olivia what is your experience or what is your understanding of how money has impacted your upbringing in your particular case Thank you, Peter. Look, from a young age, um, I didn't get pocket money with my folks. They had this principle of, um, you know, if you want money, you know, you've got to you've got to render a service of a product to get it back. So if you saw me out at the party at night, trust I mowed the lawn, the cars are clean at home, the the yard is clean. Um, so from a very young age, we, we grew up with this principle of, um, you know, it was mostly me more than the girls, to be honest, if I think about it. But um, I, I don't know if that was intentional. Uh, but I learned from a very young age that uh, I need to work for the money that I have, which I think also taught me quite early on how to be responsible a bit with it, because I would feel the aches in my legs when I spend that money at night, just remembering uh, where it came from in that regard. So from that point, I think I generally had, um, I'd say somewhat of a healthy relationship in terms of earning, of learning to, to appreciate it from an earnings point of view. And but I think Portia hit it right that there's, there's certain things and, you know, now being a parent myself, there's certain things that you realize you are shielded from, um, you know, I, I, for example, I was taught at a young age, I, I started buying my own toiletries just to, you know, know how much a toilet roll, you know, actually costs, or, you know, toothbrush, roll on, all those basic stuff. Um, and my folks would take me grocery shopping with them. And I do comparisons at the store with my dad and my dad's, uh, um, I don't know how to explain it, but he wants every grain of rice, right? So if he, lend, if he lends you a grain of rice, a packet of rice, he wants every grain back. So, you know, when we buy anything at the store, it was never pick up whatever you like. Everything was calculated. Okay, if you take two of these, you get 200 mils for one rand extra, one rand less. So, you know, that kind of very, very specific, it didn't matter what my dad earned, you know, he never cared about that. It was never about what we have. It was always a case of managing the cost, 
Uh, and that was kind of like the ethos they brought us in to say, look, forget about, you know, you can make a million rand um, and still have 999,000 rand worth of costs. You're worse off than the guy who's earning 10,000 rand a month who has 2,000 rand worth of costs. So that was really, I guess, you know, a privilege to get that upbringing that, you know, forget about focusing on trying to reach the next salary bracket, the next money bracket, um, you know, but really build on how do you manage the cost side of it. And just in conclusion, one example that was given a lot to me was the case of like Mike Tyson. Uh, Mike Tyson, I think in his career, earned about $300 million. But at some point, he was uh, $50 million in debt. Uh, you know, so one could say, but how the heck do you go in debt after you earn so much money? Um, you know, that's essentially the same message that, that you know, I'm sharing now that, uh, look, upside is great. But if you learn from really early and be conscious and um, intentional about understanding your reality of what you can afford and afford half of that or less than that. And that tends to help. I'm not saying it's a hundred percent proof um, theory, but that's, you know, that's the culture in which we were brought up. And I still, you know, we had different engagements with money that weren't always great, but that mindset helped me um, also be patient with myself when I was earning a lot less patient with myself when, you know, my peers were having things I didn't have. Um, I knew as long as I'm focusing on managing my cost side, the upside didn't matter. I had, I had guys who earned more than my salary asking me for fuel money. So that's when I realized, okay, there's something to this tactic here. But anyways, um, that's my contribution. Thanks, Olivier. Um, yeah, I, I think you, uh, you've just hit the nail on, what's, what's the term? You hit the nail on the head or if that's the right phrase to use. Um, I, I think... The, the upbringing aspect, and maybe I can push this question to Tadiwa. Um, money for me, in most particular, up, growing up, you know, you see your parents from my side at a very young age. I saw a very middle class family, you know, my mother and parents are both working, they're doing okay. And then obviously, changes from jobs, employment, relocation, people passing away, and then you see a shift in money. And my, my view on money and the idea of, you know, how life is, whether simplicity, access to certain things changed a whole 360. Um, but yeah, that, I think that, as you said, upbringing and, you know, learning from your parents about the disciplines and, you know, toiletry, the most simple things that can help you inform your decision-making on understanding money. Um, Tadiwa, I think adding on to what Olivier has said um, about you know, his upbringing, what is your experience the impact money has had in your upbringing but most importantly as to your usage of money or your your view on money right now as someone who's working um, is trying to find a feet in this world how is that impacted and how exactly is that the case with you right now okay so growing up honestly speaking I pretty much got what I wanted you know if I wanted this I'll get it and um, that basically was my parents shielding me from the, the reality of their financial issue and life in general. Um, only when I got to varsity did I realize that, wait, you know, my parents actually made a lot of sacrifices for me to get what I wanted and for me to get to where I am right now. And um, just to cut that short, um, I don't see money as... It's, it's definitely something we all need, but I've never looked at it as, oh my gosh, um, if someone does not provide for me, then they're less than, you know. Um, and moving to res uh, and 
getting a certain amount of money every month that taught me to budget, you know. Um, it came from getting what I want to now knowing that, oh my gosh, if I don't budget correctly, um, the month will end with me on zero and it doesn't help me. So um, in them shielding me, I also got to catch up with those who weren't shielded or who didn't, who weren't as privileged um, growing up when I got, when I finally got to varsity. So um, yeah, varsity for me was the biggest eye-opening stage for me in terms of finances that, you know, life isn't um, with um, what's this roses, you know, you, there's a lot of work that comes behind it and um, finances aren't as easily accessible as you thought it was. And yeah, so that's pretty much my view on it now. And right now, <laughs> um, I guess the mentality of I get what I want, it's still there. I'm still trying to like <laughs> uh, get, yeah, I'm still trying to fix that. However, um, currently I'm still staying with my parents. I stay on the other wing of the house. So technically it's like I stay alone. But um, once again, I think that's still a shield. It's, it's still like, you know, oh, in case you are broke, you know, you have a fridge at home. You can just come and open our fridge. Um, but I do definitely understand the, um, the value of saving. Um, you know, um, we have consultations with F&B every now and again, and that has definitely helped me in the sense that um, I need to put money aside in case something happens. You know, um, with COVID, we've seen so many people losing their jobs. And um, a friend of mine um, has said, mentioned that, you know, um, at this point, people need to have savings of six months salary at the, you know. So that was, that for me was like, mm, do I even have a month um, salary worth of savings for myself, you know? And that definitely opened my eyes. So varsity and COVID have definitely opened my eyes in terms of money management. Um, had it not been for that, I think I would definitely still be naive, you know, oh, I can easily get this. And yeah, so that's pretty much my my point, my opinion on money management. No, I, 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 I think um, uh, uh, what you're saying about, you know, I, I know a lot of people who, who, depending on their circumstances, they either stay at home and there tends to be a stigma about, you know, living with your parents whilst you're trying to find your feet. Um, but I think sometimes you have to understand case by case, you know, sometimes you also want to find your feet slowly uh, I know with myself, I just wanted to be independent and I didn't care if I lived in a commune for, for just to, I could just be on my own and say, I'm living in Joburg and I'm living the life, whatever the case is. Uh, but, you know, you live and you learn and you, you grow the importance of saving and, you know, growing yourself properly up financially. Uh, so, Nwabo, um, having heard what everyone else has said, and maybe this can subway to the last few points about money, because I see time is moving a bit fast since we started a bit late. Um, but there's an the aspect of money and mental health which correlate. And money can affect your mental health. I don't know if you agree or you disagree, uh, but what is your view on that? Uh, does, can money affect your mental health, especially the young person? Uh, yeah, thanks. I mean, definitely it does. Um, I think that has a lot to do with the... Um, I think Daniel mentioned something about, um, you know, um, that, you know, being broke is a relative thing um, based on, you know, 
uh, you know, from person to person. And that has to do with the values, I think, of society now. Um, so, I mean, I grew up in the Eastern Cape, well, you know, for the first few years and, you know, life, even though, I mean, there isn't material or abundance in terms of money and things, you just, you know, carry on and you get the, you know, food and basic clothing and there isn't much uh, in terms of, you know, uh, comparing yourself with your neighbors, you're sort of at the same level in terms of uh, the standard of living. And when you come to the city life in Johannesburg and mostly, uh, uh, you know, uh, you find that the values um, of money have a lot to do with um, um, I would say people tend to associate money um, <clears throat> with, you know, with well-being and, uh, you know, emotional. Yes, to, to some extent it is, but the issue is that it, it, they tend to associate it with more with identity. Um, whereas, uh, you know, if you, if you don't have much money um, and then you're not, you, not successful in terms of material success. It has a lot to do with your value. So they assign that to your value. So, I mean, that can affect a person's mental well-being because if, if your sense of identity has to do with um, how much you're accumulating, how much money you have and what, what you own. Um, so, uh, so that can, you know, uh, really weigh someone down because if you look people around you, um, I mean, people are making a lot of money. The shows that we're watching on TV, you know, all of these things that we see around of uh, you know material success, you can start to have a low self-esteem about yourself. So, and I think that has to do. I think there's we might have at some point in school come across this uh, teaching about the hierarchy of needs by Dr. Mosno. Um, so my, my theory, right, when I look at that hierarchy of needs, okay, so it starts with, you know, your basic needs um, in terms of shelter and food, and then it goes to safety and love and belonging, and then as you go higher, it's esteem and self-actualization. So... My theory, right, uh, I'm still gonna, you know, look more into this, but I think if a person doesn't, um, you know, manage to grow into the, into the, into the higher aspects of the hierarchy of needs in terms of love and belonging, uh, values of material success can easily replace that. And you find that a person uses money and material success as a way of belonging and feeling love. That's why that can, you know, cause difficulty in some relationships as well, um, because you know they haven't actualized that for themselves. You know, but for someone who's able, to, you know, who's learned to grow into that and uh, uh, being able to find an intrinsic value in themselves um, without, you know, material validation, then they are able to better handle 
you know, the health issues relating to money because they're sort of grounded in themselves and they're confident uh, in, the, in terms of their sense of identity doesn't, isn't um, disturbed by, you know, um, yeah. uh, you know, those things about, uh, you know, how well you are doing, you know, those measurements that we have as a no. society. So, yeah, so it definitely does affect a person. Okay. No, thanks. Mm -hmm. No. Olivia, I see you raised your hand. Um, so I'll go to you then after that, at least. I know I wanted to also ask you the same question about mental health uh, in terms of money. Uh, but Olivia, the floor is yours. I know you raised your hand. Yeah, sorry. Um, Sonobo just um, reminded me of something I thought was worth, worth sharing, especially on this mental aspect. And I think it segues into relationships um, as well. Um, I remember when when i started dating my my now wife back back then girlfriend um i wasn't i didn't i was just you know working on campus as a student and uh, she was old she's older than me by a couple of years uh, and i and i realized when i started dating her that i probably should need to get a job or find a way to make money you know in my final year um and i mean it was great i i'm happy for her and like i said it's it is a lot of mentality and mind aspects that come with money you know um i i didn't want to be part of a relationship where i didn't feel like i could do something or contribute to it and she never you know she's not materialistic of any kind of that sort but you know in myself i felt like i want to participate more than i could uh, and at that time you know i wasn't earning anything so i got a job at, at campus uh, working at the it labs i think i made like two thousand rand or something like that which was a lot of money for a student at least i thought so uh, at the time and I was able to participate in the relationship then, you know, but I think back to, you know, girlfriends before that, where immediately when we get into the relationship, I very honest with them with what my financial situation is like, hey, listen, I don't have a car, right? So if you, if you want to go to here to here, I'm not there, um, et cetera. So, the, you know, being honest about it, um, you know, is, is very, is very important. And I think that there's a lot of pressures that come, you know, as, as I think I've also mentioned, these views we get bombarded with on on media about how to live that, that's that's nonsense like i i've gone through many seasons where i've used um, companies like wonga and get bucks and all those guys i had that season of my life and i'm just saying you got to do what you got to do in that season you're in um to get out of it but just make sure you get out of it i mean i'm far i'm far removed from that season now so i just wanted to highlight on that mentality aspect that you know when you're going through your tougher seasons where you know you got 50 rand to stretch out four weeks um, that's all right, man. Like that's where you at. Make the most of where you at. Um, you know, if you if you realize that life is just a series of seasons in that regard, it's fine. It's just uh, an opportunity to learn how to um, get better at what you're going to do in future. So when you have millions and billions, it's much easier. I manage money a lot easier now that I have a bit more of it than when I did fifty rand across four weeks. But because of the character that was built in those tough times, so there's always an opportunity to learn and to grow in those moments. Uh, that's all, Peter. Sorry for for that one. No, no, it's fine. I appreciate that. Um, there's, 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 a, there's a, I don't know if it's a hip hop saying or more money, more problems. So I think that that's its own. Um, I know Lily and Portia, you've raised your hand. Um, I wanted to go to June, but Portia, um, do you want to add on to that part? Uh, maybe we can before that, then we can move to our last segment. Portia? Uh, yes, Peter. I'll keep this short, but I actually wanted to add on to what Sonawa said to say that, but if we think of it, certain things are very deeply entrenched in us because of our upbringing. So when we tie mental health to 
um, financial, you know, status or your situation at the time. If you think of it, if you look at a lot of black families, if I'm, if I may use, you know, that term, but that one uncle, for example, who doesn't have a job when it's like funerals or weddings or whatever, he isn't shown as much respect or consideration as the person who sits at the table and can contribute something financially. And I think growing up, witnessing that has placed a lot of pressure on us as young Blacks to understand that your value seems to be determined by how much, you know, you, uh, can, can your mouth sign checks or something, you know, that's saying along that line. So if you're going to want to have a say in your family or feel like you are of any importance or use to them, you need to show it. You need to be able to come home and, you know, build your mother a house or buy them a car or, you know, if there are funerals and things like that, be able to say, okay, and it's difficult because at times it's not that you don't want to be that person. You don't want to come home and make that difference, but can you afford it? And I think that's why so many people are going through depression because sometimes even if they are contributing back home or in other social situations, be it with friendships or family or whatever, or in relationships as well, you almost feel like that is what will determine whether I am of any value to this male or female is how well I can carry myself or what I'm giving to this relationship. So I also actually feel for black men because we understand the pressures that come with being in relationships, you know, because all of a sudden, if I can't do certain things for my girlfriend, you almost feel like I'm less of a man. Or if I now, for females as well, we face similar pressures because you also want to be able to say, you know, for this person to not feel like, you know, you are your baggage. Now he must, you are a child that he's raising. I don't think any female wants to feel like that in a relationship. But the truth of the matter is looking at where the economy is and the strides that we as young black people still need to, you know, to make, to get to a certain financial situation. That is why so many people are going through depression. That is why so many people avoid going back home. Because when you go home, they are expecting you to come in. You can't just come empty handed. So it's almost like, it, it, you know, the T's and C's are highly based on your financial situation. But yeah, so I was just adding on to what Sonwaba said to say that I think that is also one thing that adds to the mental health regarding your financial situation. Yeah, okay. Thanks, Portia. Lily, I know you raised your hand. Uh, well, you know? she covered some of the things. I guess I'd be saying it from a more Irish context than anything else because I guess the difference with me growing up especially since I'm in that transition from teen to adult especially because um, the way it is in Ireland it wasn't exactly like super rich back in the day and now it's like I guess more rich than it used to be and there is those elements as she mentioned about mental health and money but especially now since Usually Dublin being the capital, it'd be more expensive, even college and everything like that. You know, um, that um, it like it affects, you know, everything like college. It even affects like housing and rent as well, because even in places that wouldn't be expensive and going to college and the likes, it's it's super expensive now. Like, as she was saying, it kind of ties back into people's own health because it's like, I can't afford this. You know, it, it almost, for some people I know who've just recently graduated from like good universities with COVID and the pandemic, it now feels like, well, what do we do now? You know what I mean? 
it's like finished college, got the job, did everything we're meant to. Now what? No. Especially since now where I live, it's one of the most expensive countries in Europe now in terms of like taxes, VAT, insurance, everything, which ties to bring it back into the, the college aspect. And even into the relationship aspect, I've seen a lot of people break up during COVID, not exponentially, but I've noticed that there has been more people I've noticed having more relationship problems because of the factor she also mentioned as well. Yeah, no, I, I think that's really true. Uh, I've seen it where case of whereby COVID has also kind of exposed or rather raised the issue of certain things that were not really worthwhile to identify prior to COVID. Uh, things such as money, if you lose your job and you're the breadwinner in your family, uh, the expectation is still there for, because I mean, if you have kids, which I think we can then subway a bit to the next element of the topic for the sake of time. Um, if you have kids, the expectation is like, I still need to eat. My kids still need to eat. Um, your family, if you play, pay black tax, uh, contribute to your family, there's still that expectation. Like, hey, what about us? And, you know, and I think maybe to ask June before we move to the last, uh, what's the second uh, topic, there tends to be a peer pressure element as well of, of money. And one of the previous episodes, we talked about classism. Um, and, you know, the, I was talking with, the, with someone a few weeks back about, there was a term on social media about called brand alignment. Um, your friends, you know, you, if, if you want to be in certain groups of, or, you have, or certain circles of friends, um, there's an association with money and status. That's, that's deemed important to be in a certain circle or even at work um, for you to hang around certain people depending on the title, even your money, the money that you have in your bank account and your position in life, it puts you in a certain hierarchy in terms of people. And maybe my question to you, June, is do you think the element of peer pressure and also the hierarchy in which we place people in terms of money is an is a valuable thing to have in society and to say, you know, I, I earn this amount of money or I'm a middle-class person. So I associate myself around these circles of people subject to that, or should that be a non-factor in terms of how we are associate and move ourselves in society? I don't know if that makes a, a clear question. Yeah, it kind of does. Um, and I think my view on this is um, just, I think it comes back to the individual it's themselves. Um, for example, I hate driving in a steep hill. Um, the car that I'm using now is a manual geared car. So um, when I get to a steep, I literally sweat a bit because the car could potentially roll back. Um, I'm not really advanced at this point. So um, where am I going to go where there isn't a steep hill? You know, I try to use back routes when I drive to work or whatever. It doesn't help me. There's still a steep right outside the office. So I think it goes back to the individual in the sense that those things are going to exist. Um, those things are not going to necessarily just vanish because, um, you know, as different people, um, if someone might, might obtain success now. And then that might, you know, prompt them to suddenly be loud about this is where I am. This is what I have. Um, and there's nothing you can do about it. You know, classism will always exist um, because different people value different things. But I think it goes back to the individual more than anything. And I think to also allude to Porsche's point in response to, to the question is, um, I think um, something that I'm also just sort of like, you know, thinking about a lot is who I am in a group setting, who I am 
who who I am when you know when I'm around other people, when I'm around colleagues, when I'm around family members, versus when I'm you know in my space where I'm a hundred percent myself. Um, I think that's also very very important in a sense that um, when you go to like a family gathering where the people that are there are most likely not even people who you chat to on a regular basis. Who are you in that setting? Um, and I think that's where you end up making really really unnecessary commitments just to sort of you know prove a point. Um, or you can just, you know, really be mature about it and, you know, stick to your guns and stick to the fact that, it, like Olivia said, you know, I know my, my background, I know my mission, um, and I don't care what is flashed in front of my eyes, I don't care who I'm sitting in a table with, I stick to my story. Um, and I think it just all goes back to the individual. Um, as we grow up into, you know, right now we're we young adults, um, as we progress in our age and all of that, um, I think we all, have, we all just have to come back to being content we all have to come back to, you know, sort of our own agenda, our own personalized agenda. Um, and with that, whatever will be flashed, whatever status, whatever hashtag exists, um, you know, it would be very, you know, difficult to shake someone who's deeply rooted, you know, in their own purpose and their own agenda. So I think, um, you know, the statuses and all of that, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. But um, I think it just goes back to the individual. Uh, thanks, June. Uh, I think I can move to the next element, uh, but maybe just for the sake of having everyone chip in lastly. Uh, Tadiwa, just for the sake of just closing off the aspect of money. Um, I think, as you've heard everyone speak about mental health, uh, certain circles where you, know, you need to maintain your individuality and your story. Uh, what is your take on the element of where money is it, um, growing up? And you know, they, they speak about things such as generational wealth. And, you know, and the idea that, you know, when the subways to the second topic about parenting and children and all those kind of things, um, in your view, should, how, how important is making money or uh, what, kind of, what kind of view is on money in terms of your future, your, your children, and those kind of, uh, the elements of you, you growing up and getting older you know, people speak about getting a house at a certain age, getting a certain amount of money. What is, what is your view in terms of money and the importance of accumulating wealth, if that's a better way to phrase it, uh, early on in your life before you, you move on and you, you're, you're, you pass away, if that's the right word, taking that to use? Uh, Tadiwa? Okay. Um, so... I feel like there is an element to uh, acquiring wealth um, for many, you know, it's, it's easy to say, no, at this age, I should have this and that, but will you have it at that age, you know, and are you okay with not having it at that age? Um, like I said, growing up, I got what I wanted, but there was a point where my father wasn't working for years and my mother held the entire family together you know she had my dad's back and for me that's when I realized that you know it's a man sh um, is not expected well of course he's expected to have money but uh, there's going to be a point in time where he could lose his job or just you know things could go haywire for him you know so my expectancy on um, gender and who's meant to have more money you know, it's 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 basically non-existent as long as there's someone providing. So, in the sense that um, generational wealth, um, 
provided. So right now I stay with my parents. However, I am a property owner and I choose to stay with my parents because <laughs> why should I spend money that I don't I don't see myself I don't need to stay somewhere else, you know? Um let me rather save it and um buy property, more property in order for me to get um a second income, you know, for me to have to ensure that my kids are are taken care of when I'm gone or even when I'm not around when I when I am still around you know I can still be like oh you know what guys this is for you you know take care of yourselves fight figure out a way to um budget your life and you know just make it work um so yeah I feel like there is a there's definitely um, an importance in terms of generating um generational wealth um however I don't think the pressure that society brings is necessary because anything can happen at any time, you know, provided you are in the, uh, the space and you have the opportunity to, to gain it, then definitely jump for that. But um, my outlook for in terms of a certain age and a certain income or tax bracket, I don't think that's realistic, you know. Um, I'm 25 and I've, I've got a pretty good position um, for my age. And, you know, that's, that's something that doesn't come um, easily. You know, not everyone can get that opportunity. And however, God forbid, in 10 years time, my life could be totally different, you know. So whenever you do get the opportunity, ensure that, you know, I'm, am I saving accordingly? Am I living a lifestyle that if um, things go bad tomorrow, will I still be able to stand, um, stand on my own two feet? Do I have people in my corner who are able to still keep me in their corner? You know, you're talking about um, classism, you know. Um, you can plan a trip and people are like, oh, you know, this and this and this person, I expect them to come. However, let's leave this person up. Let's not even include them in the in the plannings because we know she doesn't have money because you're expecting your people are so used to you saying oh guys I can't come because I don't have money and unfortunately now people then um put you in that um bracket that oh no we should expect her to never have money you know and it's quite unfortunate especially in the age that we're in your 20s 30s it's pretty tough um everyone goes through changes that you least expect and expectations of how much we should all be earning now. You know, um, what did we study we, um, when we went to varsity? Did we even go to varsity? So yeah, um, money is that it definitely plays a mental, it offers, there's an insane mental um, impact. Um, and it's quite unfortunate. However, like, um, sorry, um, Jane said, you can't avoid being, um, you can't avoid classism. You can't avoid um, the fact that the next person is going to look at you and be like, mm, I can't have you in my group because we're not on the same level. Yeah. Now, thanks, Dan. Um, I think, as you've mentioned about generational wealth and, you know, classism, um, and maybe let me start the element of the element of parenting. And this relates to both our experience with our own parents and also our us having children, whether you have them now or you're going to you plan on having kids or you don't plan on having kids. 
Uh, parenting is a very interesting topic to have. Uh, and I was having a discussion uh, with, with my, my brother and we're talking about the way we were raised. And I don't know, most black families, corporal punishment was a thing. You know, you used to get beat up or, you know, if you did something wrong, yeah, you know, you know, uh, you're gonna lock yourself in your room because when your father gets home, you know, my mother had that thing of, she, she, my mother had emotional punishment. Like she would know how to touch my buttons. Like I'd feel sad. And then on top of that, she'd be like, wait until your dad gets home. So it was like a double barrel gun. Um, but yeah, the, my brother and I were talking about imp, what's the, what's the word? intent versus impact. And this subways to the element of parenting. And maybe let me start with Daniel. In your view, and you know, as young people, we've grown up, our parents, regardless of whatever it was, there are certain intentions. And relative to the element of corporal punishment or whatever discipline our parents have applied raising us, do you think intent is equally as important as the impact? In other words, in other words, if your parents had good intentions or bad intentions, whatever the intentions were, is that equally important as the impact or the end result? So let's say someone says they're gonna discipline you a particular way because the intention is good, but the impact is not necessarily something that they, they, the impact is that I wanna discipline you, but it's really good intentions. So the question is more so, is impact and intent equally important in terms of parenting or not the case? Daniel, what is your view on that particular question? Give me a Libra skill type of situation here. Um, so uh, I'll just speak on how I was raised. Eh? So my mom used to beat me and my sister. I mean, she beat me and my sister for not getting 100% on a test. Um, and that's that's the like how she, she raised us in the sense of, this is how I want my kids to be in terms of uh, mor morals and all of that. She instilled that through spanking, right? And looking back at like how we were raising her, spanking us, and I have a child now, I'm like, okay, should I really raise my child the same way that I raised my, I was raised by my mom? I'm like, mm, maybe I should find other measures of instilling the morals and, um, basically the beliefs that my mom instilled in me, but in diff using different avenues. And for me, the, the intention should be um, it's as important as the impact because it does not matter if you spank your child and then spank your child for the right reasons, but the impact is actually a wrong one. Whereas your child now becomes more uh, grumpy, becomes a bully at school, but that's not the intention that you instill the, the punishment for. So I think you must actually evaluate whether is the intention and the impact sort of going in the direction that you want it to go. But if it's not, then I think you must try to use other avenues. Because I don't, I don't most of the time spank my little boy, but he knows that when he does something wrong, he's probably gonna get it. But I also do reward when he does good things. So that's also me showing love in the sense of I don't just um, instill punishment when he does bad, I also reward him when he does good. Like, So I think that's also my way of um, trying to balance intention and impact in that sense. Thanks, Daniel. Um, yeah, <laughs> and you were speaking about your mom beating you up for getting 100%. Um, 
I come from an academic family, so both my parents are lecturers. And yo, I don't understand. Sometimes I feel I was adopted because my marks in school were never academic. My, my marks were, let's go through school and just get school out of the way. Matric, that's where I peaked because you know, I had the pressure I wanted to go to varsity. Uh, but throughout school, I was the guy who I wanted to be a soccer player, play sports, I wanted to be an actor. You know, I just wanted to live the typical child dream. Uh, but I was speaking to my brother about that and the aspect of impact and intention and that in some degree, I know that he's not really open with his emotions to, to my parents um, in the sense of vocalizing if he's stressed or it's very, it's very formal in the setting that he has relationship with his parents, with my parents, basically. And I, I to some degree, also have that even though I'm the last born, so there's more of a grace, but he's the oldest, oldest child. And his view on that kind of aspect of my, when he speaks to his parents about, you know, we had good intentions with the day we raised you because he, when he was born, he was grown up in a time where my parents were more in that phase of where they're trying to transition into being proper adults. They had at a very young age versus me where they had a career properly going that could afford a house proper and all so forth, but not to go on a tangent. Um, but the question was more so to understand uh, our views in terms of our parents' intentions versus the effect or the outcome that those intentions have. Um, Olivia, what is your take on this particular aspect of intentions uh, versus uh, impact? But more so to leave way to the aspect of how do we improve or how does one navigate the element of the relationship between the child and a parent in terms of communicating? Because sometimes some people say take the route of being friends with your children. Some people take the route of, you know, uh, I must play that formal figure and you know i i am the head of the house and you know you must respect me or is the element of balance that's important or what, what's your take on that thank you peter for <clears throat> for the question it's a very complex question uh, i won't pretend to to know it i've been a father for one minute um when my son's only 17 months old but i i think that you know, this intent versus impact is a very, very, very good question. And, and my, my view or my take on it is that before you set off to do anything, you know, uh, regardless of what your intention is, it's important to think of the impact first. Um, you know, those all of us on this call um, were, you know, either born somewhere between, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, or, you know, if we have much younger people, maybe early 2000s. So all of our parents who were born before that, the way they have that relationship with their kids is far from what we would. But, you know, we've also been exposed to everything they have had and what we've had. So we are a very critical generation in the way um, shaping our relationship with our kids will be for future generations because we have this experience of what we, in most cases, didn't like. And in some cases, we're privileged to have to what we want with our kids. Uh, so for me, in that question, I think thinking about the impact is important uh, because in some cases, our, pension, our parents' intentions had the complete opposite impact to what they thought that they were having. Uh, you spanking me doesn't make me want to do it any less, but you teaching me why what I did isn't necessarily good and the, the adverse effects it can have on not just me, but the people around me might do me a lot better than the spanking because the spanking might just make me resent you at the end of the day. Um, so even with my son, 
I'm trying my best um, to apply an approach where, you know, I'm not laying hands on him at that stage. I mean, he's still very young, but, you know, we'll see as time goes by what that looks like. But definitely have taken this approach of understanding. Um, you know, there's a particular podcast I was what I was listening to where um, with, with um, Gladwell, who was speaking about character and attitude should be taught before uh, people even learn how to do mathematics and learn how to speak that's what we need to teach kids from that young age and you know the privilege of our counterparts who you know in most cases are not black but we may have had the privilege of being exposed to a lot of other things they learn this <clears throat> they learn this and they teach it to the kids very young at a very young age so my intention now with my son is more to build and especially as a man and i i don't say it in an arrogant view but i say it because of the challenges that men face as we become men based on us being you know ignorant boys is that we don't get taught you know that those elements the core thing emotional stability you know we don't learn uh, mental uh, you know protecting your peace and how to how to handle conflicts in in, in non-violent ways uh, you know so as you said if, if i shouted my son you'll see that now um, when he does something silly he already starts to frown you know, so he's already now understood that, okay, when something like this happens, this is how I react. And, you know, I became conscious of that and said, okay, that's not where I want to go. Because what if he's in a relationship with, uh, you know, his partner, and we're not there. And now he's already internalized this aspect of, okay, when something bad happens, the first instinct is to, you know, go upset as opposed to learning to step back and try evaluate what's happening. What's my role in what's happened and how can we remedy this forward? So yeah, based on my own upbringing and really thinking about what our parents would have tried. And again, we give them grace. We're not um, dogging on them. They also did the best that they thought was the best, uh, but we have that responsibility of knowing better. Now it's, it's really something I think about what is the impact and then reverse engineer what kind of intent I should um, exercise in each individual case. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Olivia. June, I know you raised your hand. Uh, I don't know if you want to add on to that. Uh, so we can just move to the last few other points. June? Um, thanks, Peter. Just quickly wanted to allude to Daniel's point on the importance of balance. Um, in my personal opinion, with intent and impact, um, I think being a parent myself um, and obviously looking back at, you know, my dad's approach, which obviously I am the result of, I don't think that as parents we have any control over the impact because, um, for example, you have kids that are raised in quite strict households um, who turn out, you know, to be really uh, well-raised members or, you know, uh, positively contributing to society. And you have people raised in a similar setup who, you know, revert to things like violence and all of that. So personally, I don't think that impact is something that as parents we have control over, but something that I really, really, really do live by myself. I'm raising my nine-year-old daughter. Um, it's just the importance of balance. And I wanted to just really, you know, put that forth um, that, um, you know, there's, we live in a society where there's so much options. Um, literally, in, we live in a three-bedroom household my, with my family. Um, the child who's nine um, has an option to either play outside, watch TV, be on the phone, be on an iPad, sleep. Like, there's just plenty of options with technology and, you know, game parks and all of these things that are available to us to, you know, to, to use and share with, the, with, with family and stuff, that it's so important to also know that kids do take chances, um, you know, with these options that, you know, are there with technology and social media and all of these things, um, you know, kids can easily, you know, get off the rails. Hence, I think it's important to, you know, smack the child when, you know, you feel like, okay, this is, this is happening continuously, but also in the same light, 
you know, give a child a hug, um, you know, every morning. Uh, tell your child, I love you. I'm proud of you when things, you know, are done well. Reward the child, like Daniel alluded, um, you know, when, you know, there's just, you know, positivity, um, just to sort of encourage them. And, you know, kids are not really, from what I observe, they don't hold grudge, you know. So even if maybe they can be a really, you know, tense evening because of behavior or anything like that, by the next morning, you know, it's it's at the back, it's behind them and they're moving forward. Um, and that's where I feel like the balance aspect is important because in order for you to grip it and really have, you know, that sense of having the control as a parent, because when a child is a child, is a parent, you in charge. And I think it's very, very important for me personally, you know, to maintain that because when kids go off the rails, sometimes it's hard to bring them back. Um, yeah. So that's just my two cents. Thanks, June. Uh, I think you raised a good point that can lead way to the second question uh, uh, relating to parenting. Uh, so Nwabo, I'm sure you've heard June, Olivia, Daniel speak about their, their views in terms of parenting and the intent impact element question. Um, there, was a, there was a thought I had, uh, June was speaking and this relates to the second question here. Uh, we speak about parenting, the influence that we have on our children. And recently there was a training issue about bullying and you know, suicide, people passing away and those kind of things that can also affect children. And me and my brother again were speaking about the issue of our environment. And this relates to both our upbringings, but also him having children as well. I don't have kids. And I was thinking to myself, uh, the element of what level of impact or influence does your environment dictate your upbringing and your maturity into being an adult? Um, so Nwabo, what is your view on that? Uh, yeah, so environment plays a big role, if not like the most, I think it can be quite defining in some aspects, in most aspects. Um, and the most important uh, environment is the home environment, basically that, that shapes the person. Um, so the values that are instilled in the home and uh, the type of upbringing, that initial environment, um, really does a lot to to uh, to determine you know how uh, you know how your life shapes up as you as you grow up as an adult um, so um, so in terms of like um, what the guys have said in terms of discipline for example um, so again I mean I'm gonna just go back to um, um, that example of, of that hierarchy of needs by, 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 by Mosnoj seems to you know, have a thread in, in this conversation the way I'm seeing it. Because as humans, um, the one basic need is that emotional, um, emotional well-being. And that happens you know, very, uh, it's a very young, even, I mean, it's been shown that it actually starts even in the womb, in the mother's womb. You know? um, and, you know, in terms of the emotional state of the mother, whether she's stressful, um, you know, it can also affect the child. Already environment has started, you know, in that sense. So, um, so I mean, children have a deep, well, human beings, you know, especially children, have a deep sense, I mean, a, a deep need for emotional connection and uh, attachment. And that's something that, um, we, especially as, 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 uh, as men, need to learn because 
I think for women, because they're instinctively more nurturing, um, um, have a more uh, connection to, you know, to the child, you know, from a, you know, you know, throughout the pregnancy period, that connection is there. And, um, you know, with the upbringing of how we got, you know, um, the relationship with our fathers can also have an impact on the type of fathers that we want, uh, we, we would, uh, would become. So if you had, you know, uh, a close and emotional connection where your father was open, you know, in terms of their emotions to you, or whether they were just this close person was just, you know, disciplining and, you know, um, you know, that but emotionally distant, that can also affect how you become with your children. And that's something that, you know, I'm also learning to, uh, to infuse that more feminine energy because that's the more gentle energy that we men actually need. Um, because for the most part, being a man is just being, uh, we are taught is just being this tough uh, person and, um, but that's actually, um, you know, a weakness if you aren't learning to be vulnerable and show your emotions towards your, your children and it affects your relationship. And that environment, um, you know, shapes the children as they go and, and grow up and how they will become parents at some point. So, um, so it's, it's, it's really important to, to show that as, aspect of, of emotional connection um, I've taken an, an approach of not disciplining my, my children in terms of, you know, corporal punishment, but where there is, so we take an approach of talking to understand. So even when, how you talk, you know, how you talk to your parents would determine whether you're going to get a hiding or not, you know, at some point. But now I need to not judge to say, okay, my child is throwing a tantrum. Um, I need to understand why why is this happening, and then we can talk about it, and then they can open up emotionally, and you know we we have a, you know a better way to resolve that issue. So yeah, so I mean, if if that emotional connection isn't there as the child grows up, um, they will tend to get it from somewhere else, from friends, and that's that's a dangerous place for you know young children to be advising each other. And that's why you have then, you know, all these uh, problems when it comes to um, um, even, even, even bullying, as you said, is, is, a, is a thing that is a reflection of the home and the values of the home, more than the child itself who's doing the bullying. No. So yeah, in, in environment is, is quite, uh, is, I think it's quite important, uh, even though um, as you grow up and take your responsibility, you can sort of learn to transcend the effect of your negative environment, but it can be quite difficult. So true because of how important it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Mav. Um, Lily, um, maybe let me, because for the sake of time, I want to make sure at least by at least 25 past, at least we are done. I've let each of you guys go on about your day. Um, You've heard everyone speak about, you know, element of environment, intent, impact. Has your view on your parents versus you when you're younger, probably early, early teens or in your 10, 20, 15 years old, 
has your view in terms of how you perceive your parents changed or has it still remained the same? I feel since I'm now older and have more perspective about how money works, and like I said, I'm at that very transitional college age-ish life. I feel like in some ways it has changed my view of my parents as to, because I'll admit when I was a kid, I was a bit rebunctious and a little rebellious at times. I guess in some ways it's changed my view of my parents, but it also cha- but it also made me understand them a little better since I'm older and I'm able to communicate better than when I was younger. You know how it is, you get into arguments and the like. But I also, when you were talking about um, the impact of parenting, I think in some ways, personally, I understand now why, like I said, I used to be very much about need to make sure you have financial security, need to make sure you have financial security, need to, you know, that sort of way. I have a better understanding as to why I used to think like, well, why I think like that. And as to the question about intent and impact, I would generally speaking feel in some ways impact matters more because like what the men had mentioned, people do things with good intention, but the result isn't always good. There's I, I, even like outside of just parenting, there's a lot of people who do good things and the, the impact isn't as great. And then in the rare case when people do bad things, the impact kind of good. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. No, it does make sense. Um, yeah, it's, it's a very complex one to navigate uh, either or, but I think as one of the guys mentioned earlier, uh, or the June, about the importance of balance and you know having balance in terms of also your upbringing as well with kids. Um, maybe let me push to Portia as well. Um, June mentioned the issue around you know our environment, and I was thinking about social media and you know media, TV, and so forth and the influence that it has and the idea of what a child is meant to be, how they're supposed to grow up. And the question now navigates to how much pressure do you put on your, ch- on your child or are you going to put on your children in terms of the importance of being, them being successful? Uh, or is that something that you, all your responsibility is only limited to ensure that your child has opportunities to be whatever they want to be? Or is there an important part in making sure that your child succeeds in life? whatever that success is defined as in from your view. What is your view on that? Do you, is there importance in making sure that your child succeeds or is just the element of making sure that, you know, whatever the case may be, uh, as long as I've raised them to be right and then they can define their own future. Portia? Um, you know, Peter, just to touch on a bit of what everyone has been discussing now. I have a seven-year-old son. Well, he turned seven this year. And with regards to intention versus impact, I think, um, you know, someone did touch on it, that despite you feeling as though I'm the parent, I know what's best for my child. I know how I would like them to turn out. What I've noticed also works is, and bearing in mind that children are very different. So it becomes a bit challenging to want to apply a blanket approach on all our children and how we discipline them and you know how 
we go about certain things. But one thing that I've noticed is that if you do not, and which is probably something our parents didn't do much of, because I don't think they understood the difference between fear and respect. Your children can respect you without fearing you. So with them, I think a lot of the discipline also came with a, I am your mother, so you must be afraid of me kind of thing, right? And like Olivia said, we are very thankful to them. And um, I think they've done a great job. You know, they're certain we are all a bit messed up somehow. But I also think that they were doing what they saw as well. So if I am going to reprimand my son to not do something, it's important for me to not just tell him, oh, don't do that. Sometimes, I think Sonava said this, that it helps to explain or communicate with your child why you were saying this. So to say to him, do you understand why you are in trouble? Do you understand why mommy reprimanded you to do that? So that if he doesn't, you can actually help him comprehend, or, oh, so she's doing this because she's trying to protect me. Do you understand? And I think the same, I would apply the same approach with regards to the kind of man he'll turn out to be. So even in conversations, when we'll say to him, you don't smack your nieces, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try and implement a, a standard of saying, you know what, my love, even if another girl pushes you at school or whatever, you don't touch a girl, you don't hit a girl because you're stronger. You know, sometimes your emotions will take the, you know, the forefront. So you need to learn how to walk away. And with his career, he'll ask things like, you know how children change their minds all the time. So you can ask him on Monday, what do you want to become? And it's a pilot. And then on Friday, it's, I want to become a policeman. And I remember at one point he said to me, um, does this make a lot of money for me? And I said to him, I'll never be the kind of mother now that I've also gone through life and I know the challenges of it, guys. And as much as we might want to say, you want your kids to follow their passion and to be a casper on your vest, I will always be the kind of parent who tries and communicate or life can become challenging and you need to have a backup plan. You need to have something that you can say, you know what, in as much as I'm passionate about this, I also know that my strength lies here because there's a difference between skill and passion. So if I can help him channel both so that he's got both in his corner, that's definitely what me and his father will do. So if he's passionate about music, I'll say to him, then let's find a music school for you to go to. You are not just going to now be with your pal and say, ah, oh, but mommy, we are a group. No, let's then invest in you doing and applying that passion of yours, but turning it into a skill so that it can also one day you know, birth something for you because we won't always be around. And we see how difficult it is now for our parents who want the best for us, but certain limitations come into place. So the same way with punishment or behavior or rewarding him, I will always communicate my intentions for him in hopes that it will influence the impact it has on him. Thanks, Portia. That's a very, that's a very powerful uh, statement. Uh, I think I can, I don't think anyone can agree, disagree with that particular point and the value of, you know, expressing and communicating, especially to children. Um, I won't lie, my, my side, I think sometimes there was a miscommunication about the intentions of certain doing certain things. It's like, just go to school because it's expected, you know, everyone else went to school, your brothers, your sisters went to school. So go to school, don't do this, or and how to navigate, so forth, so forth. But yeah, I appreciate that. Um, for the sake of time, maybe I can just ask everyone one more last question then we can close it the day. Uh, maybe we can have another podcast for any other topic that was meant to have today. Um, I mentioned earlier to Portia about the importance of success on your children as a parent, but also for yourself 
if you're gonna be a parent, how important it is for you to be successful in the idea of you having a family? How much urgency do you put into that? I, we spoke about money and think that's why I put the two topics together, money management and parenting, because I assume maybe all of us probably wanna have our own families, whether you have kids or not, or you have a partner, you have kids, or whatever, grandkids, how much pressure do you put on yourself to be successful? Uh, Daniel, I see you raised your hand, but let me start with Tadiwa first, and then we can go to you afterwards. Tadiwa, um, the floor is yours. Um, in terms of pressure, I, I definitely do. I would say that I have goals that I would like to achieve by 30. But um, like I said, you know, life will throw anything at you. So I don't put myself under too much pressure that, you know, you need to have this by then, you know. Um, four years ago, I genuinely thought by now I'd be married, <laughs> you know. But here I am, I'm still single. And I'm definitely okay with it. If anything, I'm actually happy this way right now. Um, but yeah, um, I don't see... I don't think it's of any mental benefit to pressurize yourself, especially if it's a position whereby you can't change um, what's currently happening in your life. You can definitely um, ensure that um, you can definitely ensure that by next year something must have come up. You know, sitting around doing nothing is definitely you saying, "I don't care," um, but to put pressure on yourself basically means that if, or rather, um, I'd rather put this out as a question, when you pressurize yourself, you know, to say in a year, I need to be making so much money, what then happens when you don't um, reach that goal, you know, because now you've set a certain target for yourself mentally and financially, and the biggest impact that comes with pressurizing yourself is the, the mental impact, you know. And then how is that going to now, um, how is that going to now impact or affect the people around you? Um, for those who have, par um, who have kids, you know, what then happens when you haven't met that target? Uh, or if you're married and your partner loses a job, the, the, the plans that you guys had and the pressure that you put yourselves in, you know, where does that now stand as a couple? Um, are you able to take a step back and realize and, and tell yourselves that, okay, this is life. And we had planned that maybe if something didn't happen, um, this is the plan B we have, you know? So um, yeah, you could all answer that whoever would like to answer that, um, but, um, just to answer your question, brother, is um, I definitely do have goals. I have mentioned that I should have goals for myself. However, I don't believe in you are tomorrow. You need to you need to definitely have done this, you know, because there are certain things that come into um, into the, um, that come into your way. Um, my varsity years were not the typical varsity years where you finish in three years. It took me a while and not because um, I wasn't adequate enough, no. Um, so certain things, obstacles came in the way of that. And I didn't get to finish the, at the time that I wanted to, which then resulted in depression and anxiety, you know. 
I should have planned before that, that, you know, things um, things are going to happen. You know, you may not finish in, two, um, in three years, you may finish it um, after seven years. And how will that affect you um, mentally? Do you have outlets that, you, that could help you from um, not falling into depression and anxiety? Because that's not something that I have to um, take care of and ensure that, you know, I'm, I'm on top of it. You know, anxiety is a big thing. And unfortunately, because I didn't think life is as it is, I now suffer from it now and again. You know, I have certain triggers that um, certain triggers that affect me, and you know, my anxiety pops up. I could have looked at it and thought, you know what? Um, provided that you've you've got to, you've um, you've got to um, varsity, what if it happens that? you take four years to to graduate what then you know what are the steps that you're doing that you're taking rather um with each um year each um semester to ensure that your mental health comes first and that you're okay yeah so yeah thanks Olivia. um for the sake of time i know june wants to leave uh june uh the question is how much pressure do you put uh either on yourself and also should you, you having a child or going to have more children or with your partner, how much importance is success in the dynamic of your future with your children or yourself to be successful? Um, just to answer that question, um, I would say um, looking not just at success, I think um, just a holistic, you know, healthy state is important. Um, I had my child at 17, which obviously was unplanned. Um, you know, I was just fooling around and then boom, <laughs> I felt pregnant. I'm grateful for her life every single day, but um, that has taught me, um, you know, just how important it is just to be like, you know, well-rounded and just be in a not 100%, you know, sort of healthy mindset, financial state and all of that. But yeah, to be as, you know, holistic, uh, you know, in terms of your your, your well, well-being or your standing as, as much as possible before, you know, you 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 take on you know, motherhood or parenting or anything like that. Um, and I think um, something that I always speak to my sister now, who fortunately, you know, she hasn't, you know, f- fell pregnant. She's still trying to navigate her career and stuff. And I always tell her that uh, pregnancy happens as a result of an action. Um, and, you know, to whatever extent that you can, you know, sort of plan around or avoid certain things, you know, in order for you not to, you know, fall pregnant when you're not ready for it, go ahead and take those measures, um, you know, and sort of, you know, be try to, you know, take control of your path as best as you can. But I understand that unfortunate circumstances do happen. But yeah, I think it's more than just money. It's mental uh, well-being. Um, it's having that support, you know, it be it a stable relationship. In my case, you know, it was with someone who I barely knew, um, you know, who fathered my child. And as a result, you know, he's since, you know, disappeared from, from the equation. Um, and picking up those pieces, you know, with the child, um, it's it, it's been really challenging. So I would really urge people to look at not just money, but, you know, do you have the support? Do you have family? Um, you know, mentally, are you ready? And all of that. And I think um, it definitely does pave a way for a much more healthier, um, you know, and more blissful parenting experience. Um, yeah, that will just be my closing remark. And before I bounce off, because unfortunately I have to jump off, I just want to say thank you, Peter, for having me. And yeah, great insights from everyone. Um, I look forward to the final product once you've edited the podcast and everything. Definitely. Thanks, June. Uh, Daniel? Bye, guys.
Maijin, thanks again. Daniel, you've heard the question. What, what's your take on it? Um, I have so many other questions and we're the last topic, but maybe as you're answering it, there was a question about once you're a parent, how do you balance self-indulgence and still holding responsibility for raising a child? You know, you wanna still live like a young person, enjoy the younger, finer things, you know, get the car that you wanted, you know, go out at night, so forth, so forth. How do you balance that while still being a parent? Uh, but yeah, answer it whichever you want, Daniel. Yeah, so um, I think June actually sort of answered my question for me, um, in the sense of saying uh, when before you even think about having a child, it's not really the finances that will actually hit you hard. It's actually the emotional strain that um, raising a child actually takes takes a massive toll on you. I mean, the disappointments that you're going to experience with your child is the the inconveniences that you're going to have to go through in life, like you just mentioned now. You want to go buy yourself a brand new car because you worked so hard for it. But I mean, the school fees, the medical aid bills and all of that and all of that, it's just rushing into your face like, like nobody's business. So it's, it's not really more about the, the, the finances for me. On my, my side, I think it's more of the, the emotional strain. I mean, having to raise a whole new human being that you have to instill morals. Like you mentioned uh, punishment in the sense of uh, how do you, like intent and impact and all that. That's an emotional strain on the, on you as a parent. Now, a child raising a child is not a simple job. It's not like you were born and there's already a formula and there's like a manuscript on how to raise a child. I mean, it's something that's very emotional from the, from the very beginning when the, the woman falls pregnant and then when the child is born to actually making like through the toddler stages, teenagers, and when they become young adults, it's just, I, I'm going through these stages and I'm like, okay, when people mention the terrible twos, uh, terrible twos, I think I forgot what the, the threes are, but I, know the terrible, I remember the terrible twos. As a child goes through these stages, you also go through them emotionally. How do you um, reprimand your child if they do wrong? How do you reward them if they do right? So emotionally, when they, when I think my manager asked me, "Am I ready for not to have a second baby?" I'm like, financially, I think I'll be able to to have a second child, but emotionally, I don't think I'm ready to have a second child because that's just it's too much. It's just too much. Like I can't even think about having a second one right now. I'm just that's just the emotional um, baggage that it comes with. And dealing with a child is just it's not an easy job. But financially, I think. I mean, you're never really ready to have a child financially. You just navigate your way through it. But emotionally, it's just something that it's, you need to sit down and literally plan it out. Yeah. No. yeah. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks, Daniel. Um, maybe to move to the last few people. Um, you've read the question. So um, element of success, but also element of where self-indulgence, should you have children or if you have um, what balance is there to have in that particular point? Um, so maybe I can start with Sunabo, then po oh, let me start with Lily, and then Sunabo, then we can end with Portia. Uh, Lily? Sorry. Uh -huh. um, can you repeat the question? Um, so the question basically, one element of it, but maybe let me stick to the part of self-indulgence versus raising a child. Um, 
what balance or should there be a balance in case of where you want to enjoy the final things? Should you have a child? You want to travel the world? Do you want to do the stuff that young people versus... I feel like I'm in the very complicated place because I guess unlike most of my peers, I never thought about getting married or having kids. And now, you know, as I'm getting older, I'm like, should I have kids? Is it a good idea to have kids? How much would a house cost? You know, all the, like when I was in a relationship, I was like, wait, having a kid? How much would that cost? Where would I live? Like it started becoming a thing of like, okay, how would I provide for that kid? I'm still in college. Okay. Um, if I move away after work, like, will I raise that kid in another country? Uh, then, Or even if I still reside in Ireland, finish my degree, have that child. See, I think a part of me, only because I'm still in my early 20s, kind of wants to travel and backpack away wherever I like. But um, I think, I don't know. It's very hard to question about what, because I don't have kids. So I don't know what to, like, I don't even know if it's a good idea to have kids, for me to have kids or not, almost. I, I don't know. Sorry if I seem like I'm having an existential crisis, but genuinely it's like, because if I have a kid where I currently reside, it would be kind of expensive. Even though there is a child assistance system, I don't want to completely rely on that either. You know, it's, yeah, I'm not sure actually. Nah, I, I can understand. Um, you live in Ireland and cost of living is high there. Taxes, you guys are paying mouthful of taxes. So I can understand if, as you mentioned, money management there is a different case. Yeah, but uh, thanks for at least, you know, it's, it's a difficult question to answer. Uh, Thank you Nobu. for having me on. <laughs> um, Sunabo, uh, then Portia. Sunabo, what's your take on the element of self-indulgence and responsibility of raising a kid? Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, I think to some extent, um, um, I mean, it relates to this thing in terms of, I mean, for you, um, the concept of what is enough, you know, for your happiness. Um, so, and yeah, I think that's the thing that, you know, our culture is grappling with this, this sense of um, what is enough for contentment, and for happiness generally. I mean, all of these experiences are good in terms of traveling, seeing the world and you know, driving a nice car. I would like to drive a nice car and, you know, um, but yeah, uh, because of the constraints of, you know, kids are in school and, um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, uh, finances around, you know, like, Daniel mentioned health and medical aid. And um, so probably once they're out of the home at some point, I can say, okay, maybe I can have this car or something like that. But um, at this point, uh, you know, I do have sort of a, a balance in terms of what I indulge. I still go out at night partying, uh, you know, even though it's not that frequent. Um, but, you know, that also has, you know, a, a budget. I try to have some savings going. Um, um, but, yeah, in, in most importantly for me, it's just, uh, 
you know, having a sense of your own uh, that you say, okay, this is enough for me, for my happiness and contentment. And um, these things, you know, you can always get them later on um, at some point. If you, if you, so there's not much need to put pressure on myself to say, you know, I need to get this, you know, now. Um, even though Daniel is putting pressure on me to get a car, saying, dude, your car is falling apart, you know, get a new car. I'm like, this car is still going, you know. It still takes me to one point to another. So let it go for now while I still balance these other things. So, I mean, uh, yeah, so it's, yeah, yeah that's, that's my take with me. Just have a sense of, you know, contentment of your own definition of what is enough for your happiness. Yeah. And um, yeah, over time, you know, um, you can travel or get the car you want or whatever the thing is that you want to do. Yeah, thank, thanks, Noah. Uh, it's a list of other questions, but I think I'll, I'll postpone them for another discussion. Um, Portia, um, you've read the question, um, self-indulgence versus responsibility. And, you know, I don't have kids, but I always think to myself, I don't have kids right now and I'm not even properly enjoying self-indulgence. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> the time I have kids, what worse, or what's the case then? But what's your take on yeah. going lost? Um, okay, because of time, I just have two points in response to your questions because they're all very interesting. But I think with regards to the one about how much pressure you apply on yourself, right, to be successful and everything, I personally will attest to the fact that I apply a lot of pressure on myself. And I remember when I made the decision to make a career change, it wasn't because anything was, you know, I could have gone through life with the qualifications I had and the job I had, but I think the pressure comes with wanting to give your children way more than, uh, you know, than you had. And I always have this theory that my child was probably chilling in heaven somewhere. And then through, like June said, through an action, I chose for them to be here. So the least I can do is make sure that the experience here is, is a good one, you know, until such time he has to be responsible for himself and he has to be responsible for his family. So I think I apply a lot of pressure on myself because also I just want my son or my, or, or my children, if God willing, I have more to be able to look back and be proud of me. So that when I tell them how oh, life is dynamic and you need to be able to reinvent yourself at times, you need to go through very uncomfortable situations, be it, you know, financially or whatever the case might be, society not understanding you, you know, um, just so that one day you can be proud of yourself and have your children be proud of you. Because I think we all hear that thing, you know, like, it doesn't matter how much you give your children materialistically, but they'll always just remember the love. But I also take that they'll also remember the strength. Because now as a young female, yo, guys, I have so much respect for my mother. Whereas as a teenager, I just thought she was like such a stuck up person. Mommy doesn't want us to have fun. She's always, you know, upset. Kantit wasn't upset. She was stressed. And she was stressed because she wanted us to be okay. And that's why now I try to give back so much to her because I'm like, yo, so those days when I thought that you're just in a bad mood, it's because you didn't know how we are getting to school on Monday. So that's the pressure side of me. And I just don't want it to get to a point where, yeah, he's just like, ah, mama, other kids are able to go on to the school trip to New York and I can't do that. 
But with regards to self-indulgence, I will say that having a good support system helps. When you have children, having supportive people around you really allows for you to go out at times. And in as much as it may seem like self-indulging, it's also refueling because you can't pour from an empty cup. You know, I don't know whether it's Daniel or Sonoba who said that you need to have a sense of self. So before a parent, you're still an individual. You still need to be happy within your own self so that you are able to give that happiness to your children. So an unhappy dad or an unhappy mom, it becomes very difficult for you to then give your children the love and the warmth that they deserve. It becomes very difficult for you to play around the house with them if you're still not making time for your own individual um, refueling and indulging, you know what I mean? And then what that leads to, or what that can potentially lead to, is you being resentful of being a parent. Because you feel like, I wake up, I go to work every day, but I've got nothing to show for it. Do you understand me? I'm paying for school fees. Like the gent said, I'm paying for medical aid. I'm doing all of this, but what am I doing? And kids come sometimes because they are, you know, oblivious to the struggles and the efforts we put in for them, I don't know how many times my son will compare my card to my sister's, not understanding that I'm a single parent who is co-parenting with his father, which I'm so grateful for. I have so much respect for that man. Despite the fact that we are no longer together, I respect the fact that he still, you know, plays his role, which, which makes it a, a bit easy for me. But it doesn't change the fact that I'm a single mother. So when he compares me to my sisters who are married and says, Mommy, why is your car so small? Sometimes I feel like saying, but home, <laughs> I could definitely afford a bigger car. But now I can't do that because I still need to take care of certain things for you. But it's in that moment that you understand, oh, he's a child. He doesn't understand. For him, he's just seeing all these big, nice cars and yours is the smaller one. But it's all for him. Do you understand? So in that moment, sometimes when you go out with friends and it's just for you, you are able to then come back and still be a pleasant person to be around because I'm all about energies and we can't expect our kids to not be bullies at school, to not be throwing tantrums, to not just be unhappy individuals if that is the energy we are giving to them. Yeah, so that's, that's my take on it. I think it's very important for parents to make time for themselves, even if, you know, whatever works for you, do it. Make time to be you so that you can come back and be a parent for like second. Thanks, Portia. Um, yeah, no, it's, you just hit, I hate this term, I'm struggling to say it, then with the nail on the head, if that's, uh, someone correct me if I'm saying it wrong. But I think self-indulgence <laughs> self or better yeah. social media calls it self-care or self-love, uh, I think it's important, you know, not just in the element of parenting, but also in the case of your career. Some of us just go to work, go to work, go to work, go to work, and you don't take time to actually enjoy things for yourself and you know experience life as as just an individual you know go out and just drink coffee or go have lunch somewhere far go out with friends and just enjoy the things that you've worked for instead of just you know with the idea of just working and then once you have children on top of that you know you want to be there for your child but then you also kind of lose your own individuality so i think like you said uh, you know just enjoying the part of being an adult and be able to enjoy the certain things that you, you've been privileged to have access to. Um, but yeah, thanks again, guys, for enjoying the podcast. Um, initially, you know, one funny thing about the podcast is that 
one of the topics that people always want to talk about is dating. And I always try to navigate against it because, you know, hey, people love love. Yo, like, I swear, like, if, if it would be a topic every week, if, if, if I have the podcast every week. But yeah, at least I try to have more formalized topics here and there and then include love and all these other different things. But we can talk about other topics uh, and other discussions. But thank you again, guys, for joining the discussion. Um, I know Saturday is not easy to take away an hour or so from your day. But uh, thank you again. I'm going to edit the podcast because, you know, I want to make sure at least it's worthwhile for people to watch. Uh, so you still avoid all the glitches and audio issues that may occur. Uh, but thank you again. Um, I will let you know once the podcast is available so you can listen, you can share it and so forth. And then the snippets will be available on social media. Uh, but thank you again. And hopefully I'll have you guys back on for any other future discussions. So yeah, thanks guys. And enjoy the rest of your, your weekend. Peace. Thanks. Cheers. Bye guys. Bye guys. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.